O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. The Old Testament lesson for the twelfth Sunday after Trinity is written in the twenty-ninth chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning at the seventeenth verse. Isn't it yet a very little while, and Lebanon will be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field will be regarded as a forest? In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind will see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble will also increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless is brought to nothing, and the scoffer ceases, and all those who are alert to do evil are cut off. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word, and lay a snare for one who reproves in the gate, and who deprive the innocent of justice and with false testimony? Therefore the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no longer be ashamed, neither shall his face grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in the middle of him, they will sanctify my name. Yes, they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. They also who err in spirit will come to understanding, and those who grumble will receive instruction. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of the second epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the fourth verse. Brothers, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to account anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the service of death, written engraved on stones, came with glory, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly on the face of Moses for the glory of his face, which was passing away, won't service of the Spirit be with much more glory? For if the service of condemnation has glory, the service of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For most certainly, that which has been made glorious has not been made glorious in this respect by reason of the glory that surpasses. For if that which passes away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia! Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Alleluia! The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Again Jesus departed from the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and came to the Sea of Galilee, through the middle of the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. 
They begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside from the multitude, privately, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the appenement of his tongue was released, and he spoke clearly. He commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, so much the more widely they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all these things well. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From our Gospel today, it says, They, that is, the crowds following Jesus, brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Our text says that the crowd begged our Lord. And that's not wrong. The Greek word there says that the crowd urgently asked our Lord to touch and heal this man. Another way to say that is that they were praying with an earnest, sincere, urgent desire. And notice their attitude and demeanor as they prayed to our Lord. They prayed to him without being afraid of his wrath, without fear that he will not respond. They pray without any hesitancy. They pray to him without looking for hope elsewhere as they wait. They pray to him, but without the attitude of, well, what does my prayer matter? God will do what he wants even without it. There's none of that. They pray. They pray together. They pray urgently. They pray with their focus solely on Christ. They pray with a sure and certain confidence that if they pray, he will listen and respond. And this confidence belongs not just to the crowd 2,000 years ago, but to you, the baptized, as well. St. Paul says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Now this confidence which belongs to the crowd, which belongs to you. Notice where the confidence doesn't stem from. It doesn't come from our own thoughts and reason or words or actions or money or reputation. Because if that's where this sure and certain confidence came from, well, then the crowds in the gospel lesson wouldn't have brought this man to our Lord. Instead, they would have brought this man to their own philosophies and religions of works. They would have brought him to their own words or incantations. They would have tried to bring him to their best doctors, to the best care money could buy, or to their most famous people, as if meeting the famous and powerful would overcome the ailment of being deaf and mute. If any of this is what gave the crowd their confidence, if any of this is what the crowd had their confidence in, then all this is what they would have brought this poor man to. Because all this would have been what they stood before God with in sure confidence. They would only have brought the man to that which they had confidence in. 
And if the crowd would have held that sort of confidence, that placed its confidence in all these other things besides Christ, it would be the confidence in the Old Covenant, the confidence of the letter, the false confidence of the law. Such is the false confidence of the commandments written in stone by the finger of God, which tells the will of God but gives no power to fulfill it, so people would have to put their confidence in themselves under the law toward God. Such a confidence would require a person to have confidence in himself, in his own works, his own power, his own sufficiency. That's the confidence of the world. That's the confidence of every person who thinks, oh, I'm a good person, I'm going to heaven. That's the confidence of every religion, really, apart from Christianity. Such confidence either fails to look at the cross, or it looks at the cross of Christ crucified and thinks, I can add my own works to that. It looks at the cross of Christ and thinks, it's not enough, I need to add to it. Such a false confidence makes for false ministers, false ministers of an old covenant. But that's not the confidence of the crowd toward God, if you look at the gospel lesson. The confidence of the crowd toward God is in Christ. We know their confidence is in Christ and Christ alone because that's who they brought the man to. And it's because they were praying to Christ. And when they prayed, they expected every good thing from him. They had confidence in him. This is our confidence, according to St. Paul. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us. Paul is saying here, there is nothing from us in which we can be confident about before God. But our sufficiency, our righteousness, is from God in Christ crucified. Paul here is speaking about the sufficiency of the gospel. He's saying it's the gospel alone that gives a true confidence to stand before God. It's the gospel alone which makes true ministers of the New Testament. A New Testament not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong, the letter, the commandments of God are not bad. It was the letter, the law of Moses, which was given by God that he engraved on stone with his finger. It was the commandments that showed his will. But these commandments offered no way to fulfill that will of God, these commandments of God. With the letter is given the law, but with the letter is not given the spirit to fulfill the law. And so if the confidence of the crowd was in the law, what would have become of the deaf-mute man? If your confidence is in the law, what would become of you? And to this, St. Paul says, For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? So again, now that we've heard this, what would become of the man, what would become of us, if our confidence was in the law? Now, for us Lutherans, it's easy to be dismissive of confidence that anybody puts in the law. But the religions of man don't put confidence in the law without reason. Because the law does itself come with glory. And we know that because in the Old Testament, this is the glory which shone on the face of Moses. It's the glory of the victories of Joshua and Israel taking possession of the promised land. 
It was the glory of King David. It was the glory of King Solomon as he built the temple. And we see this type of glory in the world today. It's the glory of societal progress, the glory of advances in science and medicine, the glory of wealth and the victories of democracies, republics, Western cultures. Look throughout the nations and their histories, and you will see glories of art, carvings, paintings, pyramids, buildings, military victories, and so on. There is glory given in the law. Don't be fooled. There is glory given in the law. And it's a glory that is alluring. It's enticing. It promises a person's name to be remembered in memoria for centuries. Like we remember Alexander the Great, the Roman Empire, Leonardo, Shakespeare, the Founding Fathers, and so on. This glory of the law, it is real. And that's why many put their trust in it. But the thing about the glory of the law is it always comes to an end. For instance, the glory of the face of Moses, yes, it did shine brightly as he looked upon the promised land from the mountaintop. But the glory of that face faded to nothing when he died without ever entering that promised land. Israel possessed the promised land for centuries until the Babylonians took them away. Solomon's temple stood magnificent long after he was gone, until Nebuchadnezzar overturned every last stone of it. And in history, Alexander the Great conquered most of the civilized world while he was young. But that glory couldn't keep him from dying young from disease. The Roman Empire reigned for centuries, but then crumbled at the hands of barbarians. And there are many paintings and writings from poets and writers and artists that we enjoy centuries later. But all their authors have died. Scientists today do make great advancements, but no advancement has kept any scientist from death. Yes, the law gives glory, but all glory under the law, it comes to an end. Because ultimately, no matter how great our works or how great our families, or how strong our country, or how much we're remembered centuries after our death. No matter all that, the law always brings an end to the glory, then kills and brings death. The glory of the law, it is great, but it's always extinguished. And consider if the deaf and mute man were alive today. Perhaps medicine and technology may have helped a deaf man hear with implants. Maybe it would have given him the ability to talk with speech therapy. And likewise for you, medicine, technology may help you live healthier, longer, and more comfortable lives. But none of that can change your heart. And none of that can loosen your tongue to truly confess who God is. It can't bring us life. But if the glory of the law can bring about all of that that we just talked about, glory that shines from the face of Moses, names and achievements that we learn in history, technology that can heal in previously unimaginable ways, if the glory of the law can bring about all that, then how much more is the glory of the Spirit, which gives life instead of extinguishing all of that with death? How much more glorious is the ministry of the Spirit from the glory of the law that always ends with death? 
The Spirit always gives life. The law always gives death. If the confidence of the world is in all that is of the law, then how much more can our confidence be in Christ crucified? Much, much more. So St. Paul says, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in all glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. There is no lasting glory in that which in the end kills and brings death and condemns. There is nothing sufficient of ourselves, no work we can do that justifies us, no work we can add to our salvation alongside the cross, no work in which we can have confidence before God. The glory of the law is brought to nothing before the throne of God. The glory of the law will be forgotten when this world is brought to an end. And the world and its glory is brought to an end before the cross of Christ because the glory of the cross far surpasses it. Because it is Christ crucified who does it all, who paid the price for our sin, who fulfilled the law perfectly, who took our condemnation, who died the death of the law, and then swallowed death up forever. The glory of the cross far exceeds the glory of the law. Christ's glory in the resurrection put an end to any glory of the law because it is the death and resurrection of Christ which brought an end to death and which makes all things new. That's the glory of the Spirit. The glory of the law cannot make anything new. Because it was Christ who answered the prayer of the crowds by bringing the deaf, mute man aside privately. It was Christ who took the deafness and muteness of the man into himself. It was Christ who put his fingers into the ears of the man, who spit and touched the man's tongue, who looked up into heaven and said, Ephephatha. That is to say, it was Christ who put away the death of deafness and muteness. It was Christ who created the man's ear and tongue anew with the water and his word and created anew, the man was brought to life confessing Christ. That's the glory of the Spirit, which far surpassed the man's glory when he was deaf and mute. And so it is for you, here in the church, the crowds brought you to Christ at the font and prayed earnestly that Christ would touch you. It was at the font where Christ answered those prayers, and through the pastor he brought you aside privately. He brought your sin into himself as he touched your eyes and your ears and your heart. It was him who put you in the water as he touched you, who looked up to heaven as he put you in the water and said, Ephephatha, as he baptized you into himself, opening up your ears, your tongue, your heart, your eyes. That is to say, it is Christ who put away the death of the old Adam in his crucifixion, and it is Christ who creates you anew in himself as he brings you out of the waters, raises you out of the waters, as the new man in his resurrection. It is all him. He alone is our sufficiency before God. Nothing from ourselves here. Our confidence before God is in Christ alone. He has put an end to our old fatal glory, and he has given us a new eternal glory. So then, being created anew, 
He has opened your ears. Now hear the word of God. He has loosened your tongue. Confess his name plainly. He hears you. So pray to him in this sure and certain confidence in Christ alone. Live to God. Live in service to one another. Live to bring others to Christ as those crowds did. Because you now possess a glory that will never end. That the world can't recognize. And finally, take, eat, take, drink. For here is the meal which will strengthen your ears, your tongue, your prayer, your life eternal. This is the meal that has been prepared for you by him who does all things well. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it comes that your faithful people do unto you true and laudable service, grant, we beseech you, that we may so faithfully serve you in this life, that we fail not finally to attain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time.
Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.